you've made it to another scrambling university. Three chairs for Scrappy. Woof, woof, woof. Oh, Scrappy's sitting in with me today. We're continuing on our way on the Zen and the Motorcycle Maintenance Series. Um, I got off the timeline a little bit. SRF, meeting the Life Force Banshee. Uh, yeah, you know. But anyway, the good thing is we're back on Thursdays. We only got a week out of sequence. Back in the flow. You know, I don't even remember what chapter four is really about, which is kind of good because I'm going to listen along with you. And we'll just stop it as we go. So I think today is uh, something like Thursday, October 6th. 2022. This is in University. I am Brian, aka Scramblin', the founding farmer at foodforestfarms.com. You can also find our stuff at cannabinoidnaturalfoods.com, campsuniki.com, that's S-U-N-E-E-K-E-E.com. Or our Airbnb in Federal Washington, is under City Farm Airbnb, a permaculture coffee camp, something like that. Anyway, if you're in the Pacific Northwest, come camp with us, stay with us, whatever. Or attend our music festival, thesquatchfest.com, thesquatchfest.com. Uh, yeah, the solstice, June 21st through the 25th, and all access, camping pass, music pass, vending pass, be yourself pass, is like a hundred bucks. Super cheap right now. It's going to go up. Every month we get closer to the event, that ticket will go up. They will eventually be about $500 ahead. So, if you want to go at all, there's a limit. 500 humans on the land. That is the current limit. 500 humans. For organizational and super chillness purposes. The Squatch Fest. A music, light, and art festival. Bend anything you want. I don't want to know about it. Ten Acres is a big place. Go off in the fucking woods. Do your thing. Yeah. TheSquatchFest.com Go check it out has its own telegram community yes imagine that a festival so cool it has its own community yep probably going to want to know which one you've been to or which one you have a ticket to if you show up in the telegram group though right if you're a lurker gtfo the whole point behind squatch fest is a community of plus one humans getting together on the solstice to rock out their humanity and just enjoy fucking life and the excess production that their intellectual capability and their capital has combined to create so it's a collective gathering of creators that are there with extra knowledge and extra everything to share if you are a take take taker if you are a zero or a negative one do not get a ticket to the squatchfest.com you will fucking hate it yeah you'll get called out on your bullshit eventually if you're talking about what you're gonna do not what you have done and are bringing to share currently in the now time in the real time in the now in the space that is today not the delusions in your brain yeah oh squatchfest.com you're a real doer it's a fucking place that's for sure we do squatch talks they're like ted talks but they're no fucking bullshit it's how to get shit done if you actually want to get shit done not mentally masturbate about it all right on with the show chapter four every chatacqua should have a list somewhere of valuable things to remember 
that can be kept in some safe place for time of future need and inspiration. Details. And now, while the others are still snoring away this beautiful morning sunlight, well, to sort of fill time, what I have here is a list of valuable things to take on your next motorcycle trip across the Dakotas. I've been awake since dawn. Chris is still sound asleep in the other bed. I started to roll over for more sleep, but heard a rooster crowing, and then became aware we are on vacation, and there is no point in sleeping. I could hear John right through the motel partition, sawing wood in there, unless it's Sylvia. No, that's too loud. Damn chainsaw, sounds like. I got so tired of forgetting things on trips like this, I made this up and store it in a file at home to check off when I'm ready to go. Most of the items are commonplace and need no comment. Some of them are peculiar to motorcycling and need some comment. Some of them are just plain peculiar and need a lot of comment. The list is divided into four parts. Clothing, personal stuff, cooking and camping gear, and motorcycle stuff. The first part, clothing, is simple. One, two changes of underwear. Two, long underwear. Three, one change of shirt and pants for each of us. I use Army Surplus Fatigues. They're cheap, tough, don't show dirt. I had an item called dress clothes at first, but John Pencil tucks after this item. I was just thinking of something you might want to wear outside of a filling station. <clears throat> One sweater and jacket each. Five gloves. Unlined leather gloves are best because they prevent sunburn, absorb sweat, and keep your hands cool. <clears throat> when you're going for an hour or two, little things like this aren't important. But when you're going all day long, day after day, they become plenty important. Six, cycle boots. Seven, rain gear. Eight, helmet and sunshade. Nine, bubble. This gives me claustrophobia, so I use it only in the rain, which otherwise, at high speeds, stings your face like needles. 10. Goggles. I don't like windshields because they also close you in. There are some British laminated plexiglass goggles that work fine. The wind gets behind the sunglasses. Plastic goggles get scratched up and distort vision. The next list is personal stuff. Combs, billfold, pocket knife, memoranda booklet, pen, cigarettes and matches, flashlight, soap and plastic soap container, toothbrushes and toothpaste, scissors, APCs for headaches, insect repellent, deodorant, after a hot day on a cycle, your best friends don't need to tell you. Sunburn lotion. On a cycle, you don't notice sunburn until you stop, and then it's too late. Put it on early. Band-aids. Toilet paper. Washcloth. This can go in a, a plastic box to keep other stuff from getting damp. Towel. Books. I don't know of any other cyclist who takes books with him. They take up a lot of space, but I have three of them here anyway, with some loose sheets of paper in them for writing. These are A, the shop manual for this cycle. B, a general troubleshooting guide containing all the technical information I can never keep in my head. 
This is Chilton's Motorcycle Troubleshooting Guide, written by O.C. Rich and sold by Sears Roebuck. C. A copy of Thoreau's Walden, which Chris has never heard and which can be read a hundred times without exhaustion. I try always to pick a book far over his head and read it as a basis for questions and answers rather than without interruption. I read a sentence or two, wait for him to come up with his usual barrage of questions, answer them, then read another sentence or two. Classics read well this way. They must be written this way. Sometimes we have spent a whole evening reading and talking and discovered we've only covered two or three pages. It's a form of reading done a century ago when Chattaquas were popular. Unless you've tried it, you can't imagine how pleasant it is to do it this way. I see Chris is sleeping over there, completely relaxed, none of his normal tension. I guess I won't wake him up yet. Camping equipment includes one, two sleeping bags, two, two ponchos, and one ground cloth. These convert into a tent and also protect the luggage from rain while you are traveling. Three, rope, four, U.S. Geotech survey maps of an area where we hope to do some hiking. Five, machete. Six, compass. Seven, canteen. I couldn't find this anywhere when we left. I think the kids must have lost it somewhere. Eight, two army surplus mess kits with knife, fork, and spoon. Nine, a collapsible sterno stove with one medium-sized can of sterno. This is an experimental purchase. I haven't used it yet. When it rains or when we're above the timberline, firewood is a problem. Some aluminum screw-top tins for lard, salt, butter, flour, sugar. A mountaineering supply house sold us these years ago. Grillo for cleaning. 12. Two aluminum frame backpacks. Motorcycle stuff. A standard toolkit comes with the cycle and is stored under the seat. This is supplemental with the following. A large, adjustable, open-ended wrench. A machinist hammer. A cold chisel. A taper punch. A pair of tire irons. A tire patching kit. A bicycle pump. A can of molybdenum disulfide spray for the chain. This has tremendous penetrating ability into the each inside of each roller where it really counts and the lubricating superiority of molybdenum disulfide is well known once it is dried off however it ought to be supplemented with the good old sae 30 engine oil impact driver a point file dealer gauge test lamp Spare parts include plugs, throttle, clutch and brake cables, points, fuses, headlight and taillight bulbs, chain coupling link with keeper, collar pins, bailing wire, spare chain. This is just an old one. That was about shot when I replaced it. Enough to get a cycle, enough to get to a cycle shop if the present one goes. And that's about it. No shoelaces. It would probably be normal about this time to wonder what sort of U-Haul trailer all this stuff is in. 
but it's not as bulky really as it sounds. I'm afraid these other characters will sleep all day if I let them. The sky outside is sparkling and clear. It's a shame to waste it like this. I go over finally and give Chris a shake. His eyes pop open. Then he sits bolt upright, uncomprehending. Shower time, I say. I go outside. The air is invigorating. In fact, Christ, it's cold out. I pound on the Sutherland's door. Yeah, comes John's creepy voice through the door. Um, yeah. It feels like autumn. The cycles are wet with dew. No rain today, but cold. It must be in the 40s. While waiting, I check the engine oil level and tires and bolts and chain tension. A little slack there. And I get out the toolkit and tighten it up. I'm really getting anxious to get going. <clears throat> I see that Chris dresses warmly and we are packed and on the road. And it is definitely cold. Within minutes, all the heat of the warm clothing is drained out by the wind. And I am shivering with big shivers, bracing. It ought to warm up soon as the sun gets higher in the sky. About half an hour of this, and we'll be in Ellendale for breakfast. We should cover a lot of miles today on these straight roads. If it weren't so damn cold, this would be just glorious riding. Low-angled dawn, sun-striking what looks almost like frost covering those fields. But I guess it's just dew, sparkling a kind of misty dawn. Shadows everywhere make it look less flat than yesterday. All to ourselves. Nobody's even up yet, it looks like. My watch says 6.30. The old glove above it looks like it's got frost on it. But I'll guess it's just residue from soaking last night. Good old beat-up gloves. They are still... They are so stiff now from the cold. I can hardly straighten my hands out. I talked yesterday about caring. I care about these moldy old riding gloves. I smile at them flying through the breeze beside me because they have been there for so many years and are so old and so tired and so rotten. There is something kind of humorous about them. They have never become filled with oil. They've become filled with oil and sweat and dirt and spattered bugs. And now when I set them down flat on a table, even when they are not cold, they won't stay flat. They've got a memory of their own. They cost only $3 and have been restitched so many times. It is getting impossible to repair them. Yet I take a lot of time and pains to do it anyway, because I can't imagine any new pair taking their place. That is impractical, but particularly isn't the whole thing with gloves or with anything else. The machine itself receives some of the same feelings. With over 27,000 on it, it's getting to be something of a high miler, an old timer although there are plenty of older ones running. But over the miles, I think most motorcyclists will agree with this. You pick up certain feelings about an individual machine that are unique for that one individual machine and no other. A friend who owns a cycle of the same make, model, and even same year brought it over for repair. And when I test rode it afterward, it was hard to believe it come from the same factory years ago. You could see that long ago it had settled into its own kind of feel and ride and sound, completely different from mine. No worse, but different. I suppose you could call that a personality. Each machine has its own unique personality, which probably could be defined as the intuitive sum 
total of everything you know and feel about it. Lyft's personality constantly changes, usually for the worse, but sometimes surprisingly for the better. And this personality, that is the real object of motorcycle maintenance. The new ones start out as good-looking strangers, and depending on how they are treated, degenerate rapidly into bad-acting grudges or even cripples, or else turn into healthy, good-natured, long-lasting friends. This one, despite the murderous treatment it got at the hands of those alleged mechanics, seems to have recovered and has been requiring fewer and fewer repairs as time goes on. There it is, Ellendale, a water tower, groves of trees and buildings among them in the morning sunlight. I've just given in to the shivering, which has been almost continuous the whole trip. The watch says 7.15. A few minutes later, we parked by some old brick buildings. I turned to John and Sylvia who pulled up behind us. That was cold, I say. They just stare at me fish-eyed. Bracing. What? I say. No answer. I wait until they are completely off. Then see that John is trying to untie all their luggage. He is having trouble with the knot. He gives up and we all move toward the restaurant. I try again. I am walking backward in front of them toward the restaurant, feeling a little manic from the ride, wringing my hands and laughing. Sylvia, speak to me, not a smile. I guess they really were cold. They order breakfast without looking up. Breakfast ends, and I finally say, What next? John says slowly and deliberately. We're not leaving here until it warms up. He has a sheriff at sundown tone in his voice, which I suppose makes it final. So John and Sylvia and Chris sit and stay warm in the lobby of the hotel adjoining the restaurant while I go for a walk. I guess they're kind of mad at me for getting them up so early to ride through that kind of stuff. When you're stuck together like this, I figure small differences in temperament are bound to show up. I remember now when I think of it, I've never been cycling with them before one or two in the afternoon. Although for me, dawn and early morning is always the greatest time for riding. The town is clean and fresh, and unlike the one we woke up in this morning, some people are on the street and are opening stores and saying good morning and talking and commenting about how cold it is. Two thermometers on the shady side of of the street read 42 and 46. One in the sun reads 65 degrees. After a few blocks, the main street goes on to hardy, muddy tracks into a field, past a Quonset hut full of farm machinery and repair tools, and then ends in a field. A man standing in the field is looking at me suspiciously, wondering what I am doing. Probably as I look into the closet hut, I return down the street, find a chilly bench, and stare at the motorcycle. Nothing to do. It was cold, all right, but not that cold. How do John and Sylvia ever get through Minnesota winters, I wonder? There's kind of glaring inconsistency there. That's almost too obvious to dwell on. If they can't stand physical discomfort and they can't stand technology, they've got a little compromising to do. They depend on technology and condemn it at the same time. I'm sure they know that and that just contributes to their dislike of the whole situation. They're not presenting a logical thesis. They're just reporting how it is. 
but three farmers are coming into town now, rounding the corner in that brand new pickup truck. I'll bet with them, it's just the other way around. They're going to show off that truck and their tractor and the new washing machine, and they'll have the tools to fix them if they go wrong and know how to use those tools. They value technology, and they're the ones who need it the least. If all technology stopped tomorrow, these people would know how to make, make out. It would be rough, but they'd survive. John and Sylvia and Chris and I would be dead in a week. This condemnation of technology is ingratitude. That's what it is. Blind alley, though. If someone's ungrateful and you tell them he's ungrateful, okay, you called him a name. You haven't solved anything. A half hour later, the thermometer by the hotel door reads 53 degrees inside the empty main dining room of the hotel. I find them looking restless. They seem by their expressions to be in a better mood though. And John says optimistically, I'm going to find everything I own and we'll make it all right. He goes out to the cycle and when he comes back says, I sure hate to unpack all that stuff, but I don't want another ride like that last one. He says, it is freezing in the men's room, and since there is no one else in the dining room, he crosses behind a table back from where we are sitting, and I am sitting at the table talking to Sylvia, and then I look over, and there is John, all decked out, full-length set of blue long underwear. He is smirking from ear to ear how silly it looks. I stare at his glasses lying on the table for a moment, then say to Sylvia, you know, just a moment ago, we were sitting here talking to Clark Kent. See, there's his glasses. And now all of a sudden, Lois, do you suppose? John howls, chicken man! He glides over the varnished floor lobby like a skater, does a handspring, then glides back. He raises one arm over his head, then crouches as if starting for the sky. I'm ready. Here I go. He shakes his head sadly. Geez, I hate to bust through that nice ceiling, but my x-ray vision tells me somebody's in trouble. Chris is giggling. <laughs> we'll all be in trouble if we don't get some clothes on, Sylvia says. John laughs. An exposer, eh? The Ellendale, the Ellendale revealer. <clears throat> he struts around some more and then begins to put his clothes on over the underwear. He says, oh, no, oh, no, they wouldn't do that. Chicken Man and the police have an understanding. They know who's on the side of law and order and justice and decency and fair play for everyone. <coughs> when we hit the highway again, it is still chilly, but not like it was. We pass through a number of towns and gradually, almost imperceptibly, the sun warms us up, and my feelings warm up with it. The tired feeling wears off completely, and the wind and the sun feel good now, making it real. It's happening just from the warming of the sun, the road, the green prairie farmland, and buffeting wind coming together, and soon... It is nothing but beautiful warmth and wind and speed and sun down the empty road. The last chills of the morning are thawed by the warm air. Wind and more sun and more smooth road. So green this summer and so fresh. There are white and gold daisies among the grass in front of an old wire fence. A meadow with some cows, far in the distance, a low rising of the land with something golden on it. Hard to know what it is. No need to know. 
where there is a slight rise in the road, the drone of the motor becomes heavier. Boom. That's the end of chapter four right there. Oh, let me turn this down just so we don't get blasted when my phone rings. There we go. Hey, better yet. Let's go put on some tunes. Uh, Okay, yeah, yeah. So I took some notes while we were listening there. Uh, What I was showing you on the screen was a couple different things. I was showing the UTG after party card. It's another podcast. The premise is it's a backwoods bar in northern Minnesota. And Brian just got off shift. And we're all out back just shooting the shit. So you're obviously my homies or patrons that stayed till 2 a.m. So either way. Uh, yeah, it's a great show about nothing, really. Um, yeah, good crew. Uh, and then secondly, I showed you the Squatch Fest card, the squatchfest.com. And let's see. Oh, I showed you the tool man, Tim, Ben Prep and Sense, Y2K. Tool man, Tim. Tomorrow's show, tune in. I'm going to tell you a story about meeting him for the first time. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, did that and uh, oh, and then I was showing you those coins. So those coins are from the Lots Project, thelotsproject.com. Um, they met a really cool silver artist who is doing a lot of work in silver in a bunch of different sizes and formats and all original hand poured casts. Um, They've added 3D printing into the process now for precision of the amount of silver so they can do actual coins, but the coins don't have to look like stuff struck off machines anymore because they can use the 3D printing to make the molds how they want. Um, So they've got a whole series planned. That is the first of the first. So that's the first design, the first pour, They only made 20 sets and five extra ounces. That was set number 14 that you saw. Those are all sold out. They sold out before he got down to Self-Reliance Festival. Um, He started a waiting list at Self-Reliance Festival for the second go. So that design, if you notice. Oh, here, hold on, hold on. I just want to put on some tunes. Um. So, ha, 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 ha. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Now, I'll tell you what. Let's start there. So, the one ounce, the words and such are cut into the coin, right? On the half ounce, they're all raised out of the coin. So I believe what I've heard the skinny is on strike on number two, he's going to use the same basic design and switch the ounce and the half ounce. So the invert and the outvert are different. So you'll, if you have, if you have both, if you were lucky enough to get in early enough to get both, you can have matching inverse set. And then he's working on design three and four already. Each time at the end of that, the artist that's making those um, is ha- has it live on YouTube, I think, or he's running a video, so it's until it's uncut. It, he's one process takes a long time, takes hours, um, gets them done, and then when he's done, then he smashes the mold and it's done. So, yeah, where silver is now, you know, it's a good deal. Anyway, after you see how the art that goes into it, I'm happy to have it. Oh, yeah, and I didn't open the certificates of authenticity, but that's the artist's uh, stamp. It's on the back of the coins, too. It's just really small to see it. Um, I kind of don't want to open them, uh, but his certificates are really nice. Uh, I've shown you the other one on my two pounces bar with the two cats playing with the yarn. Um, 
or the AK bar. <laughs> he loves making bars for guns. So you can get an AR bar, AK bar. Uh, yeah. Anyway, great fucking artist. Uh, he's on Agris Market. So if you're on Telegram, drop by Agris Market and scroll back. You'll find his shit. Look for the Silver Dude. Silver Dude. Yeah, he's the artist. Um, so anyway. Back to the beginning. Hey, Zen of the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance. Uh, great book, eh? All right. Someone, when I got off of, uh, you know, he starts out that chapter with the epic list, the list for the trip, right? Oh, can't talk about things further in the book than we are now. So, yeah, okay, I'll just say notice the list. Wow. Categorized and detailed and headed and subheaded that list was. And that everything had an explanation. If you went into any one thing, it had very logical thing as to why it was there, what its purpose was, how much space it took, everything. Um, so anyway, yeah, I'm not going to talk more about that now because there's a lot more to say about that later at the right time. Um, then he talked about machines, feelings for machines, uh, machine feelings, like do they operate better once they get to know your personality, once they settle in. He talked about his bike settling in once all the harm was done, right? Um, so, um, it's funny, once you drive a lot, a lot, uh, especially like driving. I drove in all 50 states. Every goddamn rental car there was, client cars, friends' cars, every, just drive everything. Um, you can describe classes of vehicles in ways, right? Of tightness, of firmness, of hardness to drive, of interaction, of uh, dampening, softening all kinds of fucking ways if you think about the activity you're doing uh, right he talked about him and this other dude having the same bike and the other guy's bike being like so much more sloppy but i guarantee if you had driven like john's bike would have been a completely different animal in the realm of sloppy to not sloppy driving a beamer versus the old honda so yeah machines definitely have personalities and feels right when you pick up the same machine that someone else owns that you own chainsaw bike whatever yeah if you're not feeling the difference in the machine you're not running your machine anywhere with connectedness enough and you should notice like immediately oh yeah okay okay this starts up like you know a hundredth of a second slower or though this takes its, its extra millisecond to fucking have the auto brake start to kick on it is true uh yeah and he talked about machines wearing in a memory i don't know i think the longer that a human interacts with a machine intently you drive with a purpose your car starts to become how you drive it starts to adapt i'm not talking about the new bullshit electronic like tuning i'm talking about carburetor all of it you start to know the lag the car starts to just get away it drives <laughs> or a tool starts to get the way it is yeah for sure oh Oh, and he was talking about time to make time when he was sitting in the hotel room, just like thinking about shit and doing shit and when you do stuff. Yeah. The time to do it is now in the moment when you're thinking about it, like in the now, the now, now's the time, right? And then he talked about those 
when he went on his walk in the morning, right? Time to make time is if you're up and awake, you know, go do some shit. You don't have to just sit there and do nothing. <laughs> uh, right. But then the other thing in that was you rousted everybody. So, well, okay. Earlier in the book, they said like, hey, we're not on a timeline, right? But then you get on the road, and the road has a time of its own. Just a rhythm of the road, depending on your trip, right? Then when he talked about, hey, it's time to make time, that's me coming back from festivals and stuff like there's a time to make time. There's a good time to drive rapidly when nobody's in your way, when the road is fucking perfect. And those long expanses aren't during rush hour, right? So, yeah, yeah. It, you want to get going and they're all sleeping. I get it. I get it. Ugh, that's the hardest part about tying yourself to other fucking humans, right? There's time to fucking make time and they're just... Oh, and then he goes through that walk through town, and he sees the the uh, the workers rolling in in their old <coughs> their old pickup truck. Then he talks about how if they have a new thing, <coughs> a new truck, a new tractor, or a new whatever that they use in their employment to sustain themselves and their family. They're super happy about it. And they're all too happy to show it the fuck off, right? Because they don't distrust tech. They're the ones doing the hard work, lifting the bales, like doing the thing, right? When a new thing comes along to make their actual lives better, they recognize it immediately. They value it. And they talk about it, and they're happy to talk about it because they value it. We'll come back to that. Yeah, but that was just caught me. Oh, that's what I caught from listening to the chapter, right? Was they're so just farmhands, right? And aren't, like, remember when he wrote this? 70s, 80s, like early. The back to the land movement, the hippies checking out, the like fucking big like rah, turmoil, right? The fucking the farm dudes don't even know there's a fucking turmoil because they don't plug in at all. They don't give a fuck. They don't care. They have maximum maximum degaff. Don't give a fuck, right? They're farm boys. They care a lot about what they crops done. Can they do their thing to get it done, right? But fighting with and against technology to help them do what they need to do to complete their objective they're not so fucking stupid as to even contemplate that idea in the realm of ideas. Why would they embrace a death cult, right? It takes, it takes billionaires with billions of money to astroturf shit to get people to embrace and ingest death. Why do they do it? Chaos. Chaos. They make money on chaos. You don't need the trend to be going any which way. You just need there to be a trend. Then you need there to be disharmony. Think if everything is harmonious. Like a harmonious chord. If we have disinflation rolling hard, right? The price of energy was dropping like a rock. 
lithium ion batteries, right? Being able to package up a whole house full of electricity for a few days and send it off to somebody who stayed over in a camp. Fuck. Now, the man. Hey, look, his fucking paraplegic dropping in. <laughs> Boom! How are you, man? What's up, buddy? Fuck, I'm just going off. Uh, my hair is freaking... Look at that. I love it. I love it. I tried doing that the other um, day. Oh, yeah. God, when I cut it all the way off, I had this mug. Oh, was, my God. Dude, I, I need a haircut. So I'm, doing, Dude, I'm, not, I'm, not even, I'm not even at my at my, at my my uh, my table right now. I'm just sitting in my bathroom at my sink. So uh, I just thought I'd stop in and say, hey, how you been, bro? Not bad, not bad. Are you liking the book series? Have you ever read Zen Art of Motorcycle Maintenance? No, I have no idea what you're doing, but it's freaking, uh, it's kind of interesting though, because, you know, I, I used to drive bikes, you know, uh, from Start about 19. We're, we're only on chapter four. It's all, if 19, you go to Odyssey, it's on a playlist. 1989, I think, is when I started riding, started riding. Yeah, like a 450. Yeah, I got a Nighthawk 450 from a buddy uh, that ran a place called Baltimore Cycle Salvage, and then you could run a hundred on that. Oh, what? Two, you could run a hundred miles an hour on that. My 250, I could oh. get it over like 70. So if I lean down really good, I could go 75. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I that's uh, the freeway. Now you would die. That was back in the yeah. five days. <laughs> They're very. Uh, they're they're kind of they're really small. It's about as well not as small as they get. No, no, but yeah, pretty small. Wide open. Oh, it was death even back then. Oh, dude. Um, the uh, gosh, the four fifty. That thing in the snow. It was, Are you kidding me? Oh no, it'd be snowing six inches. I'd fucking show up in class, like parking on the steps. I've oh, got yeah. stories about. Just uh, well, the first time I had my 450, I'd never driven anything except for a uh, a dirt bike, like my buddy's 250 Honda or something. And you just like pick it up, like here you go. Oh shit, figure it out on the way. Home. Oh, and I and I and I I didn't even know what I was doing on the dirt bike. Like I tipped over sideways a couple times, which didn't really matter because it's you know. It's uh, um. I taught myself how to ride on the way home from fucking buying it, and I was like, I was dude. like, I was like, goddamn, that freeway pavement's going really fast underneath my feet. I don't. I'm like, don't put your foot down. Don't put your foot down. <laughs> dude, well, you know what's bad? Like when you're just learning and you and you get to some like uh like bridges that have the weird bruise oh, and shit. Oh. oh my god. And then don't even talk about the rain, man. Boy, that that feels like those railroads with that rubber shit. Oh, that sounds horrible! <laughs> like ah, you just slide on the fucking steel. Dude, I remember the I, dude. I'm telling you, there's definitely there's definitely a god because did you ever I, have a motorcycle license? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I never I, fucking had one ever. Really, dude. Well, I went and I failed. I failed the. The uh man the uh, the, the rid, I failed the I failed the riding test twice because I uh you know I did the you have to drive real slow for like thirty feet oh. and you have to take a certain amount of seconds so you can't put your feet down I did fine with that I did fine with stuff but I the wasn't good at driving yet. She like she wouldn't sell it to me without a helmet, so I went to the fucking Kmart and I got like twenty seven dollar helmet. Like, <laughs> oh my gosh! So I failed because I couldn't get up to. I think you had to get up to fourth gear and then back down to first. Oh my god! And I kept oh, I kept stalling. I kept stalling because I don't didn't just push in the freaking clutch. And I don't know. I don't know why. I just anyway, I I, I passed it on the third time, and. uh I just remember the first night I was driving it, man. I didn't have any glasses on or anything. <laughs> and I was just like, man, this thing's fast. I just remember like, going up side street. Awesome. Bam. 
Yeah, like bikes are fun, man. Bikes are, oh. I mean, but they're also really dangerous because really people dangerous. don't see you. People oh. don't see you, man. No, you just get, no, Cassidy's best friend got killed the week after he got his bike. Like, bloom. A lady turned left right fucking in front of him. Right, right, nothing. Like, nothing. Dude, again. I just had a buddy of mine that's, uh, he's a trucker, and he had, he was going to move to, uh, I think it was Mississippi or Alabama. It was Alabama. He had, he had, he had already signed uh, the papers for the uh, home equity loan. And uh, his best friend and wife, his his best friend was a guy and his wife, not my buddy's wife, his friend's wife, uh, were supposed to get in there and live in this house. And they were both in like a motorcycle club and the girl was driving her bike and got freaking hit. Oh. And she's, she's gone now and that whole thing just went belly up. So they can't move down there, and he had to like quick sail it or something. And <laughs> ah, it's really drag because he was looking yeah. to like sort of get away from the beast, you know, like That's move out a, and get if some. If you hang around biker and, people, you're gonna know people that are dead people. It's God, it's horrible. It's so sad, but it's so fun. But it's yeah, fun. it really is. You just like gotta be careful, dude. I'm telling you, nobody. these guys, these guys on the freaking freeway now. Oh. That are like five of them, dude. I was down in Baltimore City. It was like it's it's on one of my, I don't damn it. I think it's one of my IG accounts that got shut down. I was live streaming, and at least dude, it was like Mad Max. It was a bunch of freaking. It's always black boys. It was a and uh, like biker thing. Thirty no thirty of them on freaking their YZ like one twenty fives two fifties. You know, they just fly around in packs, right? It was like 30 of these guys. But then there was like three side-by-sides. There was a couple quads. Then there were two boys in like stolen freaking like cars or something following them. It was like Mad Max. I had it all on video too. It was hilarious. Philly? No, it was in Baltimore City, like right near the harbor. Oh, fuck. Right near the harbor. That's right cool. near the harbor on Lombard Street, they were just flying like right. It was right where uh, Little Italy. That's funny. Uh, was it like a crew moving some shit? No, dude. I wasn't yeah, like that's just crazy. Well, actually, I guess that would be a that would be a good way to move move something because right. if anybody they could just get chased and then the head people just be there. Yeah, but you know what? They don't do that, dude. They don't even chase them because they can't catch them. I remember like 20 years ago, Baltimore City made like this little freaking like over the top of cars. <laughs> yeah, dude. The Baltimore City cops had like cops on like two fifties oh, like, tried to match that were supposed to ch- chase them. It <laughs> didn't work out. I think they stopped it. Like they, all the shit wrapped on. Yeah, and- yeah. You can't. You can't. You can't put cops. And like expect them to catch crazy young boys on yeah, YZ one twenty five. Crazy bikes. Yeah, nobody's gonna be as crazy as them. They do wheelies up freaking like Frederick Road doing doing fifty. Dude, yeah. I've seen I've seen guys do wheelies just going so fast. I don't even know how they do it. It's hilarious. It's- the one time I tried to do a wheelie, I had a brand new clutch in the four fifty. And I tipped it over in my driveway right in front of my brother. I broke the freaking side blinker on the back. Yeah, the handlebars. You gotta lay it down before you get it right, right? Dude, I'm not, dude. The only thing I can think is you've got to practice on dirt bikes first. Dirt bikes, right? You just wreck them and wreck, or probably yeah. Dirt bikes. See, because dude, man, I've seen guys do it on freaking like straight, like why is he freaking seven fifty? GSXR seven fifty, my buddy Stan, he had his he had his helmet between his legs and he did a wheelie for as far as I could see him on that GSXR seven fifty. I would say with the new like uh, 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 what is that? Uh, um, you know the stabilization tech for the the platforms you can ride around on? Um, 
fuck? What are those? Stabilization called? tech. What are you talking about? You know what's that? Uh, what's that little uh, thing that you ride around on? Uh, uh, they're gyros. They don't tip over. Oh right, 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 right. If you threw, I know what you're talking about. You threw one of those in a bike, so you could just push the wheelie button, right, and it would just. Oh my god, that would be cool. Tip over, no matter what you did, then you could just drive down the street on one wheel. (laughs) Dude, there's a lot of those. um, What are they called? Switchblades or something? See a lot of those. Yeah. They got the the two wheeled front and the one. They look like a damn. If you want to spend like, if you want to spend twenty k like real bike money on electric now, you can get electric bikes that have like you know four hundred mile range and they'll go fucking goddamn fast. They look like a real bike, you know. They got to put fake shit back so it looks like a bike. So you know, but quiet, dude. You know what? You know what? You know what? Be really funny to me, because uh, I I've, I've actually heard. Oh my gosh. It's a freaking electric car where it actually has, it actually had like audio of a motor. No, no, my Kia and I'm has like, audio. below 30 miles, below 40 miles an hour, it turns on speakers that go. So if you're walking anywhere near it, you know there's. Oh, okay. Well, I, didn't, I was just thinking, well, this one guy. But they can make them he, sound like whatever. There's a list. Well, a- right. But this one guy, like, had done it. And I'm just like, this is hilarious. They're freaking going one way and then adding shit back. Like, how stupid is that? Well, they did it for blind people and low-vis. Oh, yeah. I guess. Yeah. But, yeah. but and animals and stuff, too, because now they're not. Because being silent. Yeah. They I are literally- really quiet, aren't they? No, I was delivering DoorDash in a uh, uh, Section Eight, and uh, they were playing ball in the street, which was fucking great. I was watching them a little bit because I was just creeping through, but the kid literally like backed in like to the side of my car and like kind of tripped himself because I'm silent, right? Like I thought like everybody sees the fucking car, right? <laughs> nope, not the kid that just walked right into it. <laughs> and that's uh, that's your uh. Whatever the hell that thing is called. That was that old Prius, but that that was yeah, yeah, yeah. Two thousand nine. Well, wait, you don't have that freaking little clown car still, do you? Oh yeah, yeah. That that fucking three cylinder Mercedes. Yeah, I do. Is I that what that, that is? Yeah, I love that car. A Mercedes. Yeah. Dude, when I saw freaking Chris wow. Fix, my uh, Dylan would always watch Chris Fix. So Chris Fix goes, my dad's Jaguar. Blew a head gasket, and he was testing the um, the liquid glass additives that you put in the oil. Right, right. And it was kind of interesting because I never heard of it, never heard of them, didn't don't know how they work. But he's like, we're gonna try one of these four, and uh, some have that just so they're liquid glass. Some have like little pieces of uh, like strands in them or something. So. So anyway, the whole thing is it's liquid. Two hours. I just looked. We're at 58 minutes, 20. I got to cut it under an hour so that uh, it doesn't get pushed. If it's over an hour, it'll get All right, you want me to go? But yeah, yeah I'm going to dump you and say bye and go. But just All right, man. Monday. All right, cool. The first thing Have a good day. is the link. Uh, pop in Monday. Tomorrow's just a recap of uh, shit. All right, bro. Well, it's good seeing you, man. That's paraplegic, guys. He makes great coffee. Hey, say your website. What's your website? Uh, paraplegic dot com bearplegiacoffee.com but you know you could just coffee. email me from there you still gotta get a hold of me. coffee.com yeah four one zero seven zero eight seven six two two boom <laughs> see you man see you Monday <laughs> all right he's out uh check out his YouTube channel uh he's in that wheelchair and he's got everything rigged so he can run his whole coffee studio from the chair. It's fucking great. Oh yeah yeah he learned from one of my coffee mentors outside the coffee business who spent time with the trees learning about coffee at Atlanta, more organic level than the coffee villagers and the coffee societies. So yeah, yeah. We have the same sensei. That's true. <laughs> All right. Well, I hope you liked today's show. If you did, tune in next Thursday for Chapter 5. Is that in the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance? Till then, 
Love you guys. Be good. Go get her done. Do good shit.